0: Welcome everyone, welcome to oh, Review it Yourself, Defend It Yourself, 18, if I sound slightly unsure the 18, it's because I am. We've already jumped a number already, we literally, I think I skipped like 14 or something, but we skipped a number, so technically I'm one ahead of where I actually am. Uh, don't worry about that, technicalities, who cares. Uh, I'm joined today by Nick, welcome Nick.
1: Hey Sean, thanks so much for having me on, really appreciate it, I'm really excited to be here.
0: Absolute pleasure. Uh, would you like to tell everybody where you're from, just before we kick into it?
1: Well, I'm actually from Milan, Italy, though my accent might say different. But uh, but yeah, over here enjoying the exceedingly hot weather. Summer has already shown its face, so I guess uh, I'm already in shorts. So I guess such is life, I suppose.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. I visited your beautiful country last month. Oh, nice. I went and stayed in Naples, Torre del Greco. Big shout out to Torre del Greco. <laughs> the people are lovely. Oh. You don't find many that speak English, but they are very accommodating to people who don't speak Italian. And they're just they're lovely and also stayed in Pompeii. So the new the new town of Pompeii, which is nice. beautiful. I just so happened to be there when they had their celebration day and it was a big parade. It was amazing.
1: Oh, yeah, so, because yeah. Napoli recently won their, the, the championship, the football championship. So yeah, it was a big to do over here.
0: Oh, well, I, we were there the week before that happened. So okay. I saw the game they won away from home right in a, in a bar which is great because i'm a big football fan right. and then we we went we flew home the day they had their match at home in mm-hmm. in, in naples and they drew i think they drew it so they didn't yeah. win correct so we we like but there was banners everywhere maradona everywhere <laughs> and and we we actually saw a parade in pompeii I, I think it was kind of like a a celebration day i don't know if it was of that part of italy or just to pompeii itself mm. um, it was fascinating so it was, yeah it's a beautiful part of the world to uh, to visit so yeah I just, had, I just had to I just had to throw that in there because if anybody has the chance to go especially somebody like myself who loves history it, it's absolutely like it's a beautiful
1: place to well go. thank you so much for saying that and I'm glad that my fellow countrymen treated you right you know so I'm always happy to hear that
0: oh no they were, they were lovely because I mean going into a butcher's and mm-hmm. having to like Explain without resorting to a translation app. I, I would like some sausages and bacon. Right. Is you know, uh, what was sausage? Is it is it salsiccia?
1: Salsiccia.
0: Salcichi, so I'll sit you, see? you can never get it right. Uh, but yeah, it was and then Prego gets used all the time. So you're not quite sure what it's for because sometimes right. people say it to you when you walk in, and sometimes it's it to you when you walk out. And you're like, I don't really understand what they're saying. But it, we, we got there, you know, you get there. That's the travel section of the podcast, Doug. So now we'll actually jump into the film part of it. So uh, yeah, so we're here, and I, I'm surprised this is a Defend It yourself, actually, uh, because we're reviewing The Witches, the 1990 film which I love I've, what well, I've seen it so many times as a kid. And this is the first time I've watched it in years. And nice. wow, does it stand up well. But yes. my first question is, like, why did you pick this as, as a Defender? Because I know Roald Dahl didn't like it, but it seems to have been quite well received apart from that.
1: Well, I know it got a lot of flack because of the ending, in the sense that, you know, those who are familiar with the book know that it ends in a completely different way. And so I think folks are maybe a little bit upset about that. So I think they kind of were, were, people were a little bit upset how, should we say, Nicholas Rogue changed the ending, or rather his right, Alan Scott. But um, and I think that was the mainly the, the thing was uh, was why it got a lot of flack, because, because otherwise it's a great film. I think it's one of the best Roald Dahl adaptations to this day. I mean, I've seen um, Matilda, I've seen James and the Giant Peach, and I even saw the 2020 remake of The Witches and... I think that was worse than this one, to be honest.
0: I, I don't want to watch that. I said that to you on, <laughs> on, the, on the message. I, nothing will convince me to watch that. I'm sorry. I, I'm not doing it to myself. But you, you missed one out. I don't know if you've seen it, and if you haven't, fair enough, but there was also... We're going to have to delve into this subject anyway. So, Roald Dahl basically gave permission, because he dies the same year this comes out, and mm-hmm. so does uh, Jim Henson. It's the last film he, he looked over as well. We'll get into this stuff later, don't worry. And um, And... Roald Dahl gives permission for films to be made. And then, you know, we get we get uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which he despises. Yeah. Uh, we get The Witches, which he kind of begrudgingly allows, but kind of despises. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you, you get a few of these films. James and Jack Peach. I don't think comes out until after he's died. But yeah. there was one that was made that no one... I might We might have to review this, you know, Nick. We might mm. have to, because if you it. haven't seen it, it's worth it. But there was a film done. Now, I, I don't think it was a TV film. Mm. I don't think it was, but it's very kind of like low budget. It feels a bit, it's like The Witches in tone. But the, there was a film made of Danny the Champion of the World.
1: Really? I did not yes. know they ever made yeah.
0: it. Oh, they did. And do you know who plays the dad? Jeremy who? Irons.
1: Wow. Now I have to go watch that. It's,
0: yeah, yeah. So, but it, it seems to have gone so far under the radar, that film. Wow. Uh, I think Jimmy Neal, who's from uh, the North, he he, uh, he plays one of the robbers. Robbie Coltrane's in it as well. Wow, as a, as like a gamekeeper, I think. But like I said, I'm dredging this from my memory of I don't know how long ago. I can't remember. Oh, the kid! I'll tell you who the kid is. The kid was Jeremy Irons' actual son. I think. Oh. I think. I think it's Samuel, but I'm not sure if I mixed up the name nice. of the character or not. But I mean, it's very kind of it follows the book, so it's not like big whiz bangs or anything like that. It's it's a very to worth film. Kind of like the witches, but without kind of like the the effects. So yeah, that's I haven't watched that in years. I must rewatch that actually. And hey,
1: then there open. was the animated BFG movie, which was really good. The original, the remake, I was oh, not yeah, happy yeah. with. I really like the animated version, which came out yeah. ages ago.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, that was a crack of that. I mean, just because like the music and the just the style of it, like I think, mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna, I won't get into it because we'll be here forever. But that's what I'm like, <laughs> but it's a little bit like what's happening with the Disney remakes now. It's they're mm-hmm. just soulless, like Agreed. they're just absolutely soulless, and it just doesn't stand up. Like, you know, there was a way it could have been done, but it's yeah, you, you have these films like, and I, and I'm not talking about because we don't do politics on this show, as everyone knows. So I'm not on about that. But when you look at films like The Lion King. The Little Mermaid. You know, have you seen how many Disney remakes they made? I was looking at a list yeah. today and I was like, I didn't even know they made half of these. They made a <laughs> They made a Beauty and the Beast. Made, the, the Beauty and the Beast was a good one. They made... Uh, but it was shot for shot, so what's the point? They made... <laughs> uh, they made a Lady in the Tramp. Uh, who saw that? I way? think
1: they did. I haven't seen it. Do you know what? These live adaptations are very, I think, hit and miss. The yeah, one I, I enjoyed the most so far, you know, to go on a brief din- Disney tangent, was Cinderella, which was directed by Kenneth Branagh, who did a really good job directing that one.
0: Yeah. He also directed the first Thor film, which I really enjoyed. See so, here. yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's just it's been very, very hit and miss in terms of those. I mean, there's no better way to put it. But I just think in terms of how they look, even, you know, to it, it, just you look at the colour in something like the Little Mermaid or the Lion King, and it's it's just night and day. It's like why would you want to watch a, a film that looks? I mean, I've seen the trailers for the Little Mermaid. And it just it just looks dark and brooding. And yeah, it looks realistic, but it looks boring. It's like you need to reach that 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 kind of <laughs> that middle ground between what's realistic and what actually looks good for a film—it's always exactly. been a battle, you know. Yeah. Sometimes films get it right in, in terms of like, oh, well, this is pushing it a bit far, and sometimes films, you know, tread that line beautifully. But you just think sometimes, like, I don't know, they just they just don't they just don't touch. know like, why? Why are you even trying? Like, because people have the originals. Like, you exactly. like I watched the Lion King of day for the first time in years because, uh through a uh, family member, um. Or being able, unable to go, I went to see The Lion King
1: okay. on,
0: on stage. Oh my god! Like I, I'm not an emotional type person, but I've got right. tears watching that. The oh, music, wow. the performance. Like if anybody hasn't seen The Lion King on stage and you get the chance to oh, do it, seriously, I've heard I, great
1: stuff about oh, it. Oh, yeah.
0: honestly, and it's just unbelievable. And you think how how are they going to like match up? How are the performances right. going to match up? Every like reason. James Earl Jones and. and uh, you know Jamie Irons again, and the people in the in, in the show were brilliant. A lot of, there was a lot of Peter from different countries. I think the guy who played Mufasa was French, and you can mm. kind of hear it, but he had such like a commanding voice, like the kind right. of voice that when somebody talks, it's like right, I need to, sh- I need to, I need to listen. You know, and that's exactly what you need. Whereas I think in the remake, yeah, he was a bit of an older Mufasa, but then you had she, cheat- I, I- cheat- will. Of four, who right. i love as an actor I, I loved him in 2012 he's in a film called kinky boots if you've never seen that, that's a that's a cracking one i think one of his earliest films he's done lots and lots of uh, love love 12, years a, slave.
1: 12 yeah. years a
0: slave i still need to watch that and you know all these type films he's done brilliant love him as an actor but he is not scar i'm sorry you mm-hmm. needed somebody who who had that kind of you know, that that i know it's difficult to that kind of like flair that jeremy irons had i was thinking about the other day like if you could have had a dream cast for me and i think i don't know if he'd passed away by the time they made it but alan rickman
1: oh that would be a great voice
0: for scar that i mean somebody like that somebody who could do that kind of snidey maybe somebody like rupert everett if if you know who that is oh yeah yeah you know that kind of snidey kind of the the stereotypical you know english villain you know, a voice, a voice like caramel in the heart of the black is black. You know what I mean? That kind of. Thing.
1: <laughs> well so, said, yeah.
0: Well, yeah. But uh, how the hell do we get out of that? The witches, anyway. <laughs> so yeah, so so we so the the criticism of Yeah, I mean that. So yeah, God, that was my original point, wasn't it? They made these films, and then Roald Dahl, you know, get he just gets more and more fed up with how they're done. He's that incensed by Willy Wonka that he bans them from making a sequel. Wow. And that's why a lot of films don't uh, end up getting made till years later. A little bit like what's happened with the Dr. Zeus stuff and the family's banned them from making live, live action versions because of the the cat in the hat. Oh God, he got stuck in my throat like a furball right then and there. Um, Yeah. I mean, yeah, the film, and, and it starts off with like what's arguably one of the creepiest, like the frightening scenes, stories you've ever seen. The story, because if anyone doesn't know, it starts off, it's set in Norway And it tells us the story. We meet the grandmother, who's Norwegian, the son, who, even though, uh, sorry, the grandson, who in the book's English and this is American, doesn't matter, doesn't bother the film at all. And that's coming from me, so you know it doesn't matter. And (laughs) she's telling her uh, son, uh, grandson, sorry, Luke, who again is not named in the book, but it's a film, so you know what I mean, doesn't bother it either. And she's saying uh, the story of this little girl, Erica, who was her best friend as a child and who was essentially abducted by a witch and was banished into a painting now that's as much as i'll say because if you've never seen it i don't kind of want to spoil it for you although where have you been (laughs) but i mean it's creepy as hell isn't it i mean horror films don't get this level of creepiness
1: no, I mean, I was terrified as a child because, like I said, this I watched this when I was eight years old. This movie, like we said, came out in 1990 and I was actually visiting my grandmother in Brighton because uh, part of my family actually does live in the UK. And so um, we sat down and watched this and I was terrified. I mean, I knew the story. I knew how it went. But it's so well done. I mean, it's also, I think, a, a testimony to Jim Henson, his puppetry and stuff, because the effects on the Grand High, which are superb and still hold up today, and is Angelica Houston, so you know you're going to get a great performance. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it, still is, it still has that level of creepy even now. I mean, granted, it's not going to terrify me, but it's still creepy, because I think you can even, if you put it into the context of ch- child abduction, for example, even, which is still sadly a problem to this day, you can even look at it through that lens as well, if you want, and that's, I think, adds to the tension and adds to the, should we say, the, the creep factor, if you will.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it really is, especially because as a as a kid, you watch, because I mean, I, I was born later than yourself, but I watched it as a kid in like the mid-90s, late 90s, most probably when I was probably around six or seven or eight, so around the same age, I probably watched it, and then um, I've got. Younger brothers and sisters, so I'll have probably watched it uh, a lot more, you know. After that, it was just one of those films that just was always seemed to be on, you know, on a rainy day type thing. One of those films, a bit like Home Alone 2, or <laughs> films, just like one of those films that always seemed to be on. You know, The Grinch was another one, but um, yeah, I mean, the film is, is incredibly creepy when you watch it. I mean, we're not going to get into it because it's just too serious and subject to talk about, but like, you, you know, what, what it, it's kind of referring to that witches are everywhere, they look like normal people. But um, if you notice the clues, and it is very much trying to teach that, that that she's trying to teach, like her grandson, like look, there's there's evil people out there, and obviously watching it as a kid, you kind of get it, but you kind of don't. So then watching it as an adult, it's an incredibly kind of like, oh, this is really kind of quite dark when you bur- bur- uh, when you burrow down it actually kind of what it's saying. But you know, I mean, it's just it's it's like a brilliant adaptation of the book as well. You've got the the these signs of how to spot a witch itching under the wig this purple tinge to their eyes i'd forgotten they had no toes i'd forgotten that which is just an incredibly like i don't know it's just like such a visceral like because i know in the new one i was going to try and not mention it but you're gonna have to aren't you? we have uh, to. <laughs> the big smile thing it's just it's not stop that was that?
1: so weird
0: that's not going to stand up i mean this film is what 32 years old exactly it's, it's as old as me <laughs> and it holds up incredibly well there's literally like one little bit where i was like oh that gr- blue screen merged on doesn't look great but mm-hmm. that was one little bit i think it's near the bit where luke's trying to put the uh as a mouse is trying to put the like the bottle in the in the soup but it, it's literally like a fleeting moment and i'm being really pernickety about it and then just like the sense of humor like <laughs> i've like forgotten i've forgotten where the grand high which pushes the kid in the <laughs> In the in the silver cross, beautiful pram down the hill, and yeah. I'd I'd remembered that, but I'd forgotten that there was all these women like, ooh ooh, it's it's a child, a child in a pram, oh it's delicious, it's hilarious, it's like it's hilarious, I love that, and then they're all like disappointed in the whole you know the the dogs' droppings, it's it's disgusting really, but it's this is it's probably like you said, it's probably one of the better, there's not much defending going on as per usual, but there's it's like the one of the best adaptations of like Roald Dahl, like how the tone of his books, like like Great. you look at a book like The Twits, which I don't think they've ever done an adaptation of because how the hell I would you do that? So. No. And I don't think they do it nowadays because, well, yeah, the connotations of the whole relationship would be like, yeah. But yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a fascinating like look at it. Maybe that's, do you think that's why actually the ending was so divisive because it's so faithful in the rest of it?
1: I think so in the sense that because I mean can we can we t- t- uh, mention what how the book ends or would that be too much of a major spoiler because in the in the in the book literally the kid who obviously is nameless which I think was actually a clever thing on Roldal's part to not name the kid because it could be anybody isn't it? it could be you it could be you yeah exactly so there is that thing which I think is great but in the book the kid stays a mouse him and his grandmother decide to go witch hunting, literally, until they, you know, both of them die. Because, I mean, there is a little bit of a, once again, a little bit of a creepy factor there as well, because it turns out that he will live as long as his grandmother does. So basically they will die together, because obviously being a mouse, his life has been significantly shortened. Um, but I kind of like that concept. I mean, it's sad, but it's, it's nice that, you know, he doesn't, there isn't a full-blown happy ending, as in he doesn't go back to becoming a boy again. We have that thing that they carry on hunting together. And funny enough, the remake stays faithful to that. Whereas uh, here, you know, maybe they're like, we want to make it a happier ending. And so we'll let him go back to being a kid and and such and have the Grand High Witch's assistant who do- is not in the book. well, we have to give her something to do. And so she's going to turn good. So it adds in the concept of they're good witches now. So that seemed a little bit strange. But other than that, I guess that's probably what folks were Kind of a little bit maybe upset about it's like witches are supposed to be all evil. How can there be a good witch? But I suppose maybe they were saying there are redeemable ones as well. I mean, you can have been a horrible person, but you can find redemption and do something good. Maybe.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I know what you mean. It is a little bit of a you. It's one of those things, isn't it, in a film where you, especially if it's changed from a book, you either go with it, and accept it, or you go no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Like you're gonna yeah. have either reaction. But I I think luckily, I think because it's a kid's, it's a kid's book. I think they take a bit more kind of leeway, but I'm not sure if you know, I only know because I was reading the trivia, but they actually filmed two endings. Oh. So they filmed the original, they filmed the book's ending, because when you watch the film, you can see it. They're essentially leading up to it because, you know, when Luke's in that little train thing and he said it was grandma, how long do witches live grandma? And that was how it was going to end with the whole, well, not very long. And it was like, well, we'll like, We'll like we'll go to America try and catch the American witches and you know we'll we'll live the rest of our lives like, together type thing, which sounds lovely but then it's really dark because he's a kid. But you kind of they they'd filmed that and then they they'd filmed the they'd filmed the the ending we see now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then rolled out was furious and basically said, look, I, I I pull my name from the film, I pull wow. my credit from the film. I don't I don't want anything to do with it. And then it was only after I think Jim Henson sent like a Jim Henson all no, that. I think it was Jim Hansen who sent like a quite an apologetic letter and kind of put the reasons as to why. And then, Mm -hmm. and said, you know, we we want to kind of stick with this one, but and we hope you'll kind of agree. And Roald Dahl kind of reluctantly goes, okay, you know, fine. (laughs) But what really swings it, apparently, is is the test screenings. Now, I don't know if it was like, because, I mean, it's the 90s, so I don't think it was like a test screening that you get nowadays when the film's finished and they kind of go, right, what do you think? I think it was more like maybe executives are the show few, literally a few people, but, but apparently it was the audience that swayed them. The audience were like, we want this. We want this film. We, like, we want this ending rather than the original. Now, for me, if they'd have kept the original, it wouldn't have been too bad. I mean, I, I don't know, because I know, and this, this is kind of a thing, apparently, like, American audiences prefer a happier ending. Whereas, Correct. like British audiences prefer like a more downbeat ending. That's why the majority of British comedies are tragedies, and then, you know, because they are and all the It's are true. <laughs> um, I don't know about Italy. I'd probably sit somewhere in between. But yeah,
1: we 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 you know we're tragic people. We like our tragedies, as you know. So.
0: <laughs> oh Christ! Yeah, you just well, Homer Shakespeare, I know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, so there you go. But no, I mean, I think you make a very great good point because maybe it was maybe. That, um you know the average you know, should we see your American kids film is going to have a happy ending so that's probably why they did that so you make a good point that uh, maybe had it been an English test audience maybe they would have said yeah we want him to stay a mouse
0: yeah I mean also as well I mean I know it probably wasn't as much a factor back then but it probably might have been, well, if this does really well, we could get a sequel out of it. You never quite know mm. whether that's the way they wanted to play it. Well, not, not that that's saying they couldn't have kind of left him as a mouse and then had something else happen later. But, I mean, you've got – you mentioned, you know, Angelica Houston, who, who I mean, she gives, like I, – I wrote down kind of my – we're not at the end yet. I'm just like my, my kind of summing up for the film was – The film is fantastically creepy with like a brilliant, dark sense of humour. And it's anchored by a deliciously over the top performance from Angelica Houston. I think I was trying to think of a way to put it. I think over the tops makes it sound like it's a bad thing. It's not. It's just like theatrical. It's probably a better way of putting it. It's just such a fantastically like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just like she's just loving it. She's I mean. And the fact I'd forgotten that she was German, like she used a German accent all the way through, which gives it another really, they must be exterminated immediately. And it's like, oh, this is getting a little bit, what's going on here? Uh, And it's kind of that also, it leads into that. and, And I just, I love the whole, and like, watching it as kid watching it as a kid with like my brothers and sisters and you all did the impressions you know grand gala opening and all the kind of like you know luke and another one that my family and my brother probably will laugh his head off when i tell him we've reviewed this but i was just going we we used to just occasionally you hear somebody say it at a family party like lip shine lip shine right <laughs> like out of nowhere you know and everyone knows what they're talking about sure. um, and I'm, I'm honestly, they, they, for anyone listening, this is genuinely true. This is not me, like, I'm not BSing, trying to make it sound interesting. This is genuinely what my family's like. Like, you know, <laughs> it's just, like, just you just sat there and just get lip shine and the whole, I do so hate margarine. The kid's <laughs> so British, it hurts. Like, I've been known to say, films are so American, they hurt. This kid is like, he is par on par with the kid out of The Mummy Returns for how painfully British he is. It's just, I mean... <laughs> It's the bit where like he finds out he's, the worst bit for me was and not the worst bit because I still enjoy it, but it's just hilariously cringy. The bit where he's like, he's like, just because you're a mouse doesn't mean I'm a, And he just goes, Good lord. And it's like, oh god. It's like, yeah. um,
1: Bruno Jenkins is a very British character, I will oh, say. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh it's just yeah, I mean, I just I just loved. I mean, um <laughs> the kid the kid plays it really well. I mean, he he does really well for it to be. I mean, but I mean, just the whole, and I'd forgotten like the people that were in it. So you get, I mean.
1: Rowan Atkinson to cry out loud.
0: (laughs) Well, speaking of comedies, they actually went to John Cleese first and said, would you like to play? And he was like, yeah, he said it's too close to Basil Fawlty from Fawlty Towers. So (laughs) then he, he, then I think then it got offered to Eric Idle, who couldn't do it because he was doing something else. And mm-hmm. then it ends up with it ends up with Ron Atkinson, who uh, I think Mr Bean kicked off around the same time, so I don't think it it became kind of very similar. Uh, he he then bases his performance ironically on John Cleese playing Basil and so it's kind of a weird kind of thing. And also just to throw even more confusion into the mix, now this is from Wikipedia, so it might not be true, and I haven't looked at the sources, so don't, like don't hold, you know take it with a, a truckload of salt, but. To to keep in touch with like you know we talked about Eric Idle and, and John Cleese you know Monty Python. Michael Palin apparently plays one of the witches in that mass in that scene really? in the hall. Apparently he's uncredited as one of the witches. Now you can definitely see, but I don't know it's because they don't have enough women. But there's definitely men playing witches in that scene. It's so obvious. Oh, yes. Yeah. And like, but it also gives this and it gives this fantastic. Like even more sinister edge to it that like because it just it's just so odd because they're not trying to like they have so many close-ups on like the the men like they're sat in such prominent places it's like well you well, you weren't trying to hide them very well so we, I mean I think it like leans into that you know and it, it's important when talking about this for anybody listening not to think about it in the realms of today right <laughs> that's all I'll say but exactly. it, it it leaves like it, it's a fantastically like odd. Thing to do, and I and I. I mean, the witches are grotesque, absolutely grotesque. I mean, the make. You were talking about the makeup effect, the you know the effect of the mouse and that. Kind of, but the effects on, you no, know, the practical effects on them. This this is why I don't get why they've remade it. I, I haven't seen it, but I said, what 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 are you bothered for? We've got a perfect example of it. Like, you're not, don't give us that BS of trying to improve it because you don't need to. Oh, we're trying to reimagine it for a new audience or a new generation. No, no, no. This generation's kids will see the film because the people my age, your age, who have kids, or have niece or nephews, or have, you know, a wider family or younger brothers or sisters will go. Let's watch a film. Oh, should we pick The Witches? Which? Oh, yeah, yeah, great film. Oh, the No, no, not that one. The proper <laughs> one. You know,
1: that's what you get all in the, a... You know what the problem I think I found with The Witches from 2020 is? Is it's really one big CGI fest. And that's the problem. It's I smart, mean, mate. that's why uh, being a big fan of practical effects like yourself, I was I really love this. Not to mention... I love the contrast here. I mean, uh, between Angelica Houston, and at the time, you know, she was still youngish, etc. So she's a very, she was a very attractive woman, you know, yeah. at the time. And that contrast between looking so attractive and then becoming this demonic creature, the um, I just think it's so jarring. Since in a good way, like, whoa, I was kind of getting you know kind of the hotspur, and that's what she looks like. Oh my, you know. So uh, it's amazing. But it's,
0: it's again that kind of undercurrent of. Don't be taken in by an appearance. Exactly, you know. So it's like it's 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 just. I mean, and as we go out of the cast as well, you've got you know my Zetterling as as Helga Evesham, who who's the grandmother. You hear her mm-hmm. name. I didn't even know she was Helga, but you know, uh, Mrs. Evesham, and you you get a uh, gents. Uh, sorry, Jason Fisher, who plays Luke, as um in in his kind of his debut. You get Bill Patterson as Mr. Jenkins, Bruno's father, who's absolutely great in it. Bill Patterson's, <laughs> I mean, he's just, it's like watch the scenes with him in and just listen in the background because he's just like, there's a bit where he's like, the person who wrote the, who took the pictures of this brochure should be charged with fraud. And there's all these like little, little like lines in there. And you're like, I just, I just love that. And my, my brother, I can't do it very well. My brother can do a brilliant impression of her. See if I, can do, I can't do the Scottish accent, right? Also, well, sorry for the people from Scotland who I've podcasted with, but it's a bit where he's like, Uh, oh, hang on, see if I, I don't want cocklehee, I don't like cocklehee, I like craze, and it's like, and he's like, Now, why don't you be a good laddie and run after the kitchen? And it's like, Sorry, Scotland, right? But it's, it's all that whole bit with like all that going on, and he's just brilliant, and then also, and she she doesn't kind of shine as much as he does, but the brilliant uh, Brenda Ble- Blethin. As well, who plays Bruno's mother. Now, she, I mean, she's one of absolutely all sorts. But she, I mean, she's been in so many films Saving Grace 2000, absolutely unbelievable. She played, uh, she's been on British TV uh, since like, God, for about 12 years, playing Vera from mm-hmm. uh, Vera. <laughs> it's a British <laughs> detective series, uh, which, which they've filmed around the Northeast. Uh, I've actually seen the truck. I've actually, in real life, seen the truck because oh. I work, I worked somewhere where they filmed, but it was a day off, it was closed, but, uh, yeah, so I've actually seen her, truck. I've never met her, but I've seen, like, her famous Land Rover, so, um, yeah, fascinating, so, I mean, yeah, she's brilliant in it, as you mentioned before, Ron Atkinson, and then you get, of course, you get Jane Horrocks as uh, Miss Irvine, who's kind of, like, the mistreated assistant, she, of course, is from Absolutely Fabulous, she was in Red Dwarf, she also as well, now, for the... You
1: family. know where I knew her from, and I was shocked uh, that it was her, I know you was the storyteller.
0: You? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: She was Aren't Anya they? in uh, The True Bride. in which yeah, you, I, and I was a huge fan of the Storyteller. I'm like, have I seen her before? Of course. She's from the storyteller, another Jim Henson production.
0: Can I, uh, can I, can I blow your mind as well and tell you what else she's in? And then there when is. I do the impression of it. So I'll give you the line first, because <laughs> she's really Yorkshire. She tempers it down in this film. Yorkshire, Lancashire. oh God! Don't get those two mixed up, Sean. Lancashire, sorry, uh, Lancashire. She, she, um, she plays, and I'll give you the line first. Uh, hang on, I don't want to be a pie. She plays Babs in Chicken Room. That she's you know, her. She Babs in Chicken Room, yeah. Oh my lord! But yeah, okay. yeah. So she, yeah, she plays that. Oh, is Ginger going on holiday? That's that's her, so there you go. Well, I'm Just glad her. she's still
1: working, then that's great. Yeah, because well, yeah, she's in
0: Chicken Run, she's in Chicken Run 2. Uh, yeah. Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget, which I mean, I, I think absolutely no one's looking forward to, given they've <laughs> binned off half the cast. Um, right, I mean, including so, uh, I was gonna say Zoe Salander, but I'm wrong, uh, including um, what is her name? Uh, Ju- sorry, Julia Sawalia. Who played, mm. uh, who played uh who played Ginger in the original? Mel Gibson's not in it either, as Rocky, the, the Lone Free Ranger. Um and, and I think the guy who played Fowler has since passed. So he's Fine. not in it either. So there's there's like barely anyone left. Okay. And like just the, the title just sounds stupid. Mm. Like dawn of the nugget, really. <laughs> like what like
1: really, you know? I mean, I love my Ardman animation, but still I agree with you.
0: Yeah, hey, I'd love them to pull it out of the bag because I mean, I'm kind of yet to see a bad Adam film, really. So, I, I'm oh, I shouldn't have said that, should I? But you know, you know what I mean? I, I am, I am, uh, I'm hopeful, but it just it's got a lot of things going against it right from the off, you yeah. know, a lot of the kind of strengths that they had, but yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, where were the witches? So, yeah, I mean, the, the cast, yeah, I mean, there's this, oh, yeah, of course, and again, because he kind of he's fleetingly in it, you get. Um, the, he plays the head, the head, uh, the head chef. That's Jim Carter, who people will know from uh, Downton Abbey. He was in The Little Vampire with Jonathan Lipnicki. Uh, they, re- they made a remake to The Little Vampire. I
1: did not. This is news to me.
0: What the hell? The Little <laughs> Vampire 3D is a two, 2017 3D animated vampire film. Oh God! <laughs> I don't, you know what? They, I, films baffle me sometimes. Uh, so yeah, anyway, no, sorry. So yeah, you get uh, Jim Carter as well. He's been in, in absolutely all sorts on British television: Cracker with Train Train, Hornblower, Midsummer Murders. You name it, he's he's been there. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's about it for the main cast, really. But it's too much. Yeah. It's it's. I mean, it's great that that it's. Yeah, I, I loved it, man. You get you get the little subplots of like that. There's enough there for you to kind of get, but they don't kind of they don't feel like they've just shoved it in to pad the runtime, which is testament to the film. For example, like Ron Atkinson and the maid who's terrified. <laughs> He's clearly having kind of an affair with her, and she's in the room when she puts this. Like she puts this. Uh, what is it? Uh, Formula? Is it Formula Eighty Six? Formula uh, Eighty
1: Six. Yep. Uh,
0: be, behind her ears, and it, it grows hair. And it, it's just. It's. I loved it. Me. I thought it was great. It, it, was, it great. was
1: really, really good. And also, I think the the score was was so memorable, at least to me, anyways. In the sense that, uh, you know, because you have that kind of creepy vibe to it, but at the same time, it seems like it's also very upbeat at the same time. So I also think Stanley Myers did a great job scoring this film as well. So it's got that going for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I meant to say. That. I mean, the, yeah, I mean, I was going to say the film. It's based on the book I read. I think we've we've uh, we've spoken about that quite a bit. But yeah, it was filmed kind of in uh, in New Key. Another interesting bit of fact that um, at the time uh, Angelica Houston was dating Jack Nicholson, right. and he frequent he frequently sent like huge flower bouquets and phoned the <laughs> hotel much to kind of the excitement of the rest of the staff. And apparently now. I mean, I'd love to get an interview with with with. Uh, no doubt, he's an adult now. Um, Nicholas Rogue, who's the director, cut scenes out really late in the day. He thought it would be too scary for children because, and this is the best bit, because he, <laughs> after seeing his young son's reaction to the original cut, so <laughs> I love the fact that he like traumatized his own kid and was like. Yeah, probably need, to, probably need to pull this back a bit, you know. like to, Yeah, maybe take that bit out and that bit out. I, I'd loved because that kid's seen, like, the original cut. Or not the original cut, but he's seen, like, an extended cut with probably, a, you know, I mean, you know, I, I, yeah, I thought it was great. Um, the green vapour that was used, apparently, um, was, like, oil-based. So, Angelica Houston said she had to have her eyes flushed out regularly. Oh, wow. Uh, by, like, an expert in that kind of thing. And um, apparently you were saying about kind of how she she's kind of met, she looks quite sexy in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the way they kind of want you to think, especially with Bruno's dad's kind of crawling all over. her, <laughs> And, uh, and uh, the part with uh, Rogue, the director, shows that black costume for her because he felt like she should retain that kind of appeal at all times. But despite how grotesque she kind of looked. So yeah, I mean, just fascin- fascinating, absolutely oh. fascinating. Um, but and, but and also apparently with, with the 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 final cut of the 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 end of the film, apparently Rodin watched an early cut of the film with his original ending, and the final scene kind of brought him to tears. But so they, so <laughs> yeah, they kind of weren't happy. So I mean, so they
1: traumatized children. They 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 brought the author to tears. Like uh oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. I
0: mean well yeah I mean, great film though so but, uh, yeah absolutely i mean it's like received kind of critical acclaim i think but roald dahl didn't like it and uh, regarded it as utterly appalling which is i mean just a great way of describing
1: something you know, it's did... very it's very rare to hear authors be happy about the way their their work is adapted on, on film yeah, I hear even the Tolkien's themselves were not happy with the the Lord of the Rings movies, for example, or uh, you know, or all those, all the other kind of stuff. It's like, I mean, It just seems like authors very rarely you will hear them say, "Oh, they adapted my my book. I really like that." You know, Michael Crichton was probably the only one who was happy about Jurassic Park.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, because the book's not great, I've heard. <laughs> but. Uh mind you oh no what's the next Well, the film's not great either no the film is good the film is good but the lost world's better sorry everybody um <laughs> but no um yeah it is kind of, you what you are right. i mean stephen king is one of these ones where he if he really likes it he will come out and say it but yeah. if he doesn't like it he doesn't seem to say anything it's that kind of thing although i mean i'm, I'm reviewing the shining at the weekend With the podcast, and I actually need to do Doctor Sleep because I absolutely love Doctor Sleep. Oh, I've I've never
1: seen it yet, but I'm really I really have to check it out.
0: It's it's out there. It's it's out there because it goes it goes out there to be a direct sequel to the. Sorry, it goes out there to be a direct adaptation to the book. But because all the film audiences know the Shining, you could be shining. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, You can just see Michael Myers in the corner there. Um, You um you you kind of it, it kind of plays the best of both worlds, but there's some talk about dark there's like a, a kid gets murdered in it and it oh it's yeah rebecca ferguson's amazing It. it's hell of a, it's great i really enjoyed it right. give, given how maligned i'd heard it was right you know it's not the shining but it was never going to be so agreed you know just forget that and kind of go into it and think right give it a bit of a chance
1: Oh, I would definitely and, check it out,
0: and it's got you, McGregor, as well. It was always, it was always worth your money. There you
1: eat, go. You know? Yeah, and I was thinking also of uh, Alan Moore is another one who's hated every single thing that people have adapted his work from. You know, you think of Watchmen, Viva Vendetta, From Hell. He's never liked one thing that they've adapted when it comes to his graphic novels. Yeah, I must be difficult though, because you've got that whole. It's. A, I mean, to
0: an author, it must be like because for me, like so Harry Potter, for example, which kind of, I grew up on the books Same and here. I've got my idea in my head of what that world's like and what those characters are like. Now the world, pretty, pretty, pretty spot on. The biggest issue for me, and it's not a criticism of the book, uh, of the film is because you, you can't get inside the character's head in a film. Fair. You can in a book. The thing that I kind of wasn't, the biggest thing missing from, from, from the book from the films was nothing was like not this scene the one scene they missed out that was i felt was critical and they just didn't have it was was the scene in double office after serious black's been killed and harry trashes his office kicks off has to be given a sedative seriously and and like to have a, a sleep with no dreams
1: mm-hmm. and
0: off and, and that whole scene where he trashes double and really loses it because he's lost the only the only kind of like father, the only pet parental figure he's ever had, mm-hmm. um, you know, and he he kind of, I, I felt like it was a shame, that was a disgrace. Buff, outside, I'd say well, it was because all you get in the things is like in the next film, he comes in and he like shouts at Ron and Hermione for a bit, and Fred and George come in and like, oh, thought we heard your dulcet tones. It's really brushed over. Whereas this mm-hmm. kid, you know, you get more of a traumatized. The clo- that he gets close to people, they die. That's you know that that's a lot to take on as a kid. Yeah. You know, any uh, uh, anyway.
1: So we might get to see that in the uh, upcoming TV show, uh, I guess.
0: Uh,
1: Which uh, I'm uh, dreading. I'm dreading yeah, just yeah, like yeah. you, but hey, yeah.
0: Do you, do you, the the cast first why why, why you, <laughs> what Kenneth Branagh Alan Rickman Robbie Coltrane rest in peace for the last two you know Sir Richard Harris rest in peace you've you you know wh- what are you thinking I mean how I mean, can you tell that Helen, Helen McCrory rest in peace uh, who played uh, uh, Narcissus Malfoy, Malfoy brilliant actress you know why why would you do it what what on earth do you think you know because the, the kids really the, the kids you can kind of just Pick unknowns and, and get away with it. If you if you pick well, you can yeah. just get away with it, really. Because, you know, the originals were unknown. Oh, yeah. But the older actors, I mean, another Snape, another Dumbledore, and another Hagrid, another... Because you're just not... See, it's, it's not like... See, if it was, like, 20, 30 years down the line, you know, the people like, like us who grew up on the books and then the films were, like, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, you'd be like, right, we're going to make some for, kind of, like, your grandkids. Oh, yeah, this would be interesting. Yeah but it just feels like a bit of a cashier. I, I
1: hate to say, yeah, but I think maybe J.K. Rowling needs another castle.
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, who, who knows? What was, I was going to make a point there? <laughs> that. You know, it just goes out your head.
1: Leave it alone, exactly. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, see, Nick says in, in like, three words what I've been trying to say <laughs> for 10 minutes. Leave it alone. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, anything more on the witches?
1: <laughs> well, <clears throat> all I could say is... um. I was surprised that they remade. It. I'm kind of. I wish it had more more than just cult status, because I think it should be recognised for what it did, both actorially and story-wise, and musically and stuff. And it still holds up today. So, um, as I mentioned before, I think it's still the best role Dahl adaptation, and I'll probably die on that hill because uh, I know there are folks who loved Matilda, who loved the new BFG. I did not. But I think still this and the original uh, animated BFG are the two best um, rolled out adaptations. And uh, I'll be looking forward to catching Danny, the champion of the world.
0: It's 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 worth catching. I don't know what, what how it's passed so many people by. And I think it's just one of those kind of watch. But I, I like that film. It, it feels very like the book. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's characterful. It's, it's, a good, it's a good story. Check it it's, out. Uh, yeah, it's well worth a watch. Awesome. But uh, yeah, I mean... Who knows why the film's kind of not got the recognition it deserves? Because it's absolutely fantastic. The the you know the the practical effects are amazing. The it's it, everything we've talked about. It's it's a strange pick for defending Yourself, actually, but it's a cracker. But, really, but
1: also it didn't make that much money at the box office either. I mean, it cost eleven million at the time and made fifteen million. Yeah, so you know, it made its money back, but it didn't really do that well.
0: Yeah, I mean, probably with. Kind of advertising, probably just about broke even. So yeah, it's it's, it's, it's like funny. It. It's because I uh, earlier this week I reviewed, in the heart of the sea. Have you seen that mm-hmm. film? Yep. Which I, I I thought was one of the best films I've seen. It's years. a
1: really good movie. I was,
0: yeah, I thought it was unbelievable, and was really surprised as well. And I, I just I loved it, and I thought, What and that was a flop. But when you look back at films, a lot of the biggest, uh, the history of films, a lot of the biggest films now, were flops. Shawshank barely broke even.
1: Agreed. It's a Wonderful
0: Life was a flop. I think films like what happened, to whatever happened to Baby Jane? These films that are seminal now. Oh yes, they barely, they barely kind of like. If you'd gone back to 1994 and said to the majority of people, oh, by the way, like in in 30 years, the the you know the best film of all time is going to be from this year, really, Forrest <laughs> Cump no, 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 Shawshank Redemption, the, the what, the what, 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 what? There you go. It's, you know, it's so
1: well, people criticised Citizen Kane at the time. When yeah, it came exactly. Out, if you think about it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And another one, you know, uh, it, well, you can go even further back to films like Nosferatu. Oh and, yeah. You know, um, Metropolis, which is a German silent film, which had a massive influence on on everything. You know. Oh yeah. Star Trek Star Wars, you name it, and it it kind of affected it. Uh, well, you know, so it's it's looking at stuff like that. It's like well, you you can't guess how things are going to go, and mm. sometimes I think things can just come out at the wrong time.
1: Oh, yeah. oh they're too ahead of their time or yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, that can, that is often the case.
0: Well, look at Timothy Dalton's Bond. I'm not going to get into a massive side, but <laughs> Timothy Dalton's Bond, if <laughs> it come out now, he'd, he'd killed it.
1: Oh, yeah, like, I agree. But,
0: but at the time, everyone was like, well, that might be a good choice for defending yourself. But the, the yeah, Bond yeah. films back then were like, what's this? We've just had Roger Moore, you mm. know, necking with Fiona Fullerton. Like, what's this? <laughs> like, what's this? Like, you know, Felix Light has been bitten out by a shark and Bond's gone off, you know, Bond's gone crazy and revoked his license. Said, what the hell's going on? So exactly. it probably was a bit of a shock, but whereas, like, now it would be... Oh, I think it'd be great. So, I'm sure. But, so, yeah, so... <laughs> try to keep, stay on track, which hasn't worked. But, uh, never does. What's it? But, hey,
1: you know, it's, it's the enthusiasm and love for movies, you know, so you are going to have tangents. That's how it is.
0: You've, you've got to, you've got to. So, um... Yeah, are there any? What would? How would you? I mean, I already summed up about half an hour ago. But would you like to? How would you sum the film up?
1: Well, um, I could would just say it really is fun for all the family. Literally, I mean, you get everything out of it because it's not too terrifying, and at the same time, it's not too childish. So I think you could sit down with your kids if you want. Maybe okay, not two or three year olds, maybe. Roughly maybe the age I saw it, eight years old, and I think they'll get a kick out of it. And I think, you know, I'm a four, I'm forty these days, and uh, and I still enjoy it. So I think it's, like I said, literally, I think it's fun for everyone. Not to mention, as I said before, the great acting, the great directing. So uh, yeah, it's still it's still a cracker for me, twenty three years later, or thirty two years there, thirty three years later. Pardon me.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But, um, yeah, my last little bit of trivia on the cast. So I was trying to figure out where I knew her from, but it's difficult because she's covered in like mouse makeup at one point. But the one who plays the chef, the witch chef, she's played by Roberta Taylor. Uh, she uh, uh, she, uh, she became Robert, actually, uh, R- Roberta. Uh, she uh, played, she was in EastEnders in the late 90s, oh. and she played Inspector Gina Gold in the bill for years. I knew <laughs> yes. I knew her face, and it was killing me. And I've just figured out where it was from. Cool. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that that was, yeah. It's been it's been great chatting. I have I loved watching that back. I was I'm looking so forward to it. Enjoyed it. I was at work thinking, oh, I'm going to get, get on and watch it Because I like to watch films really close. If I'm able to, you know, if it's with time. Man. If I can watch a film right before I record, I right. prefer that. Because I found lately, like, I used to watch a film and make loads of notes. But then I found I wasn't actually watching the film. Man. So now I'm like, I've. I've I've decided right just just get a bit of casting information and just go off the top of your head because I mean the witches I probably could have I probably could not have watched it and still talked about it because I've I've seen it that it's many so times. It's so
1: ingrained in your memory, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Fish paste. <laughs> well, that's another another bit where like the the witches kind of putting more sugar in a in a tea and stuff. And uh, yeah, I guess
1: that's something else that we should briefly to mention the fact that in this in the movie. Helga, i.e., the grandmother, actually knows the Grand High Witch. In a sense, apparently, there's been this rivalry between them, which we don't really get in the books. And that might yeah. also have been a bone of contention, if you will, because do we really get a resolution was, was that a pun? No pun intended. Lost a finger? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no pun intended. But, um, But yeah, and I mean, do we get a resolution to that? I guess we kind of do, but it would have been nice to have seen the backstory to that. See, a lot of folks are not fat, and I know a lot of folks are not fans of like origin stories and such, but I think it would be kind of cool to see uh, grandmother or grandma as a young woman, look, you know, kind of almost witch hunting like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer kind of thing. So that'd be kind of cool, but I, I like that addition, which we don't get in the book.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's implied that she's the one who. Who made the grandma lose a finger? Because you get you get yeah. the impression, it's not said, but you get the impression that the grandma only knows all this about the witches because she was almost abducted, lost a finger, and yeah. a part of a finger, which again is another really, really nice vi- well not nice, but you know what I mean, nice visual cue. Uh, like like te- this is nothing this film does as well. It shows you things and lets you as the audience make your mind up. It doesn't force feed you and say, Oh, yeah, by the way, whilst with exposition dumping, she fought her then, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't, it gives you and lets you figure your own way of like, Oh, what happened? So you
1: preferred that? You wouldn't have liked to have had a flashback or something like that, for example?
0: poor minded. I mean, I think, I think it might have been a bit, a bit too much, especially given that we have the flashback with, like, for me, if it was an option between that flashback or the Erica flashback. I'm choosing mm. the Erica flashback. Yeah, so, no, Nick, thanks for joining me. I know this review's oh, this gone all over the place, but I've really That's enjoyed tight. it.
1: So. I had a great time.
0: Uh, w- would you like to tell everybody uh, where your podcast is, where they can find you, and just a little bit about what, what your podcast is about, really? The- what I call the shameless plug part of the episode.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, first off, folks, you can find me at my day job where I host the radio show Whiskey and Cigarettes. Where we play today's country, traditional country, and everything else in between. When we about that, you can visit our website, which is whiskeyandcigarettesshow.com. Podcast wise, if you're fans of those superhero movies, you can find myself and Keith Bliss and a sort of guest co-hosts we review every single superhero movie under the sun and also speaking of oscars and best picture winners myself rachel friend and zan sprouse can be found on gold standards the oscars podcast we're reviewing all the best picture winners in chronological order so that's pretty much me
0: do you live next to i'll do a racetrack <laughs>
1: Yeah, I've got, I've got literally my window looks out on the street. That's why there's people driving like maniacs. Yeah,
0: you know, no, no I, I, yeah, that's one thing. Italy. Uh, so go check out Nick's podcast and his it radio is. show. I had no idea he did I knew he did a radio show, but I was like, you did, Joe? That's pretty cool. Um. <laughs> so yeah, you're listening to review it yourself. Uh, the podcast with the sigh. I'm Sean. If you hadn't already noticed. Um, because who knows, you might have just randomly clicked on this. I don't know how you do that, but I'd love to think people do, but who knows? Um, yeah, No. Our, our motto here is no politics, no pandering, no point. So, yeah, that's the podcast here in a nutshell. You can find us on Twitter. It's at Yourself Review. And also on Instagram, it's Review it Yourself Podcast 2021. And we also have a Patreon. You can check those out if you want. You don't have to check them out. It doesn't bother me. I'd rather you just listen to a few more episodes. I've done over 200 now, so there's bound to be one I know you like. So, yeah, 200 in under two years. I'm quite happy with that, to be fair. And tonight, today, as of recording, we've just hit 4,000 plays. So thank you very, very much to anybody who's listened. And, uh, yeah, uh, it's it's massively appreciated. Still still pretty small fry in terms of numbers and, and audience, but who cares? I'm enjoying myself. I'm getting wonderful guests on. Some regulars. Then I'm getting newer people on, like Nick. And then I just keep adding. I just keep adding people on. Like, you know, you might get one and then all of a sudden we've done four or five or we've done 15. That's how it goes. And uh, Nick doesn't know this yet, but he's coming back to be the champion of the world whenever he wants. Oh, Um, I certainly
1: will. Happy. Thank you for wanting me back.
0: No, it'll be good fun. And if you'd like, if you've got any more you want to defend, anyone's listening, yourself, Nick. or if uh, I'll have to think
1: of something really bad that I really enjoy. I kind of cheated on this one, I have to be honest. (laughs) Well,
0: nobody, but nobody, it's, a, it's a good one to pick because, to be fair, a lot of people think, well, what do you mean? Like, what's to defend in this? But actually, it's probably a lot. Like, some people just but probably just won't get it. Or maybe they haven't seen it. But, uh, yeah, um, that, that's, that's that's all I've got. So thanks for listening, to everybody. And, uh, yeah, cheers, Nick. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, Thank yeah, you, that's, another, that's another thing as well I meant to say. Um, if you know of any other podcasts or anybody you've spoken to that you think might work well with me, let me know. Not worthwhile. I mean, that sounds a bit, not like working, but if you think we might get on.
1: <laughs> oh, I away. have a few. I have a fair few. I'll <laughs> and, definitely uh, send them your way.
0: Yeah. like uh, Cause I, I have found that I've found some of like my best guests from that where I've done a podcast with one person and then they've gone, right. You, you need to talk to so-and-so. And you know, when you're doing podcasts and independent, most of most of us, it's difficult, especially like you've got to try and like help each other out. Cause we're well, one big family
1: with... at the end of the yeah. day, I think.
0: Yeah, especially now is kind of, and I'm not against this, but, uh, and I'm not making a comment on it, but there's a lot more like professional podcasts and, and company podcasts making the way into the space, so it's getting even more crowded.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: but space for all. I'm not. I'm not one to say that. Okay. No, one should be. Here,
1: but but, us, uh, us, indies have to stick together. Agreed.
0: We do. We do. And uh, yeah, oh, we've kicked off another country, everybody. So. <laughs> Italy now,
1: there
0: you go. Awesome. Uh, No, but thanks, Nick. It was a blast. Thank you to everybody for listening. Get it in, get it on, and
1: enjoy the vlog. Welcome to Film Vloggers. Oh, harder, Daddy. The only film review podcast, thankfully, that poses the question Does watching this film feel like vlogging a dead horse? There he is, beating that dead horse! Introducing your hosts. First up, her Irish potty mouth turns the air a whole new shade of blue. It's Fiona. Say hello, Fiona.
0: And why the f is Dan Mackers doing our intro?
1: I want me gold! That's great. It's great. She's adorable. And your second host needs no introduction. The man, the myth, the legend. I said I'd do this. I said I'd do this for you. I'm not reading this. It's the guy who waffles too much. It's Ben. Cooey! I'm making waffles. So what are you waiting for? Grab your whip, mount your dead horse, and let's get on with the flog, shall we?